One day recently, I woke up and I looked around my small one-bedroom apartment and it dawned on me that I was 39 years old and that I had left my husband a year ago. This is not how I thought my life would turn out. I did everything that I was told to do. I found someone that made me feel drunk with love and I married that person. And it lasted. It lasted for 10 years until one morning, sitting on our couch, it just kind of came out. I blurted, I want a divorce. It shocked both of us, um, but we could both tell that I meant it, too. And I moved out five weeks later. A year has been enough to let the turmoil settle, and now other questions are coming up, other than where am I going to live and, oh my God, oh my God, what have I done? How did this happen? Why did this happen? Why was love not enough? And what the hell is love anyway? Because I feel duped. I'm starting to think that I have no idea what love is. But I do know that I have very good friends who put up with a lot of my weird projects and that are kind enough to sit down and let me ask them incredibly invasive questions about love and how they perceive love. And I would like to think that with every voice I listen to, I might get closer to understanding the question. What is love? You ready? Let's do this. Okay, let's do this. So this episode is a little bit different because it's a follow-up episode. So it'll be a little more free-flowing. I'm kind of just going to roll with what we had from before. So if you haven't listened to the episode about the friend who is warming up to love, I recommend going back listening to that because this is the episode. So you are the friend who is warming up to love. How have your circumstances changed since the last time we talked? I know you started dating someone back then. So yeah, just fill us in. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess it's been like four months since we recorded the other one just to give people a timeline. Mm. Um, And I um, started dating someone that is wonderful, wonderful human being, thought we were a great match, but then kind of um, got to the point where I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And again, wonderful person, great for me, all of that. But I just kind of was like, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to do this. And it's not fair to them to be in a situation like that. Like they deserve to be with someone who wants to be with them. Yeah. So we broke up. He's not thrilled. I'm okay. So just kind of dealing through that right now. So when you were breaking up, were you really the person driving that breakup? Yes. I was actually kind of proud of myself because I was very much like, okay, there's no point in dragging this out. Like, I need to just try to be as nice and blunt about this as possible. So can you kind of not – you don't have to give us like a play-by-play, but kind of like the general like conversation and dynamic, how that went down? Yeah. I mean, I'm – I think I've kind of portrayed before that I'm not – super emotional or know how to talk about the emotions. So I'm just more try to be more direct and more logical about things. So I kind of when we met up, I was just like, I think we should break up. I don't want to do this anymore. Like just be direct. Like there's no there's no kind of point to talk around around it. So but also 
when you're in that situation, you start to learn and you realize, you know, obviously people do crazy things to like not hurt the other person, but in the end it does hurt them. You know what I mean? So my goal was to not do that. And the what I would think about is if someone was doing this to me and breaking up with me, how would I want them to do it? Or how would I be able to get over it personally? And being direct and just saying like, I don't want to be with you is the way that I would prefer someone would break up with me because I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me. That may not be the response that everyone has, but I at least tried to to do that. <laughs> but yeah, like setting a clear boundary is kind of what you did. So in your first episode, you talk about how you've never really felt that like overwhelming initial first romantic love, but that you have been loved. Is that kind of what happened here? Like, do you think that was the dynamic? Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking back on my other relationships and my friends and what I talked about previously, like, I have just not experienced that kind of romantic, almost obsessive or like feeling or faith kind of love. It's just always kind of a deep friendship type love or deep connection or understanding of like, I really love this person, but I know we would never work out as partners romantically or something of that sort because our lives were different or we weren't compatible or whatever. And I just, I guess at this point, haven't found that quote unquote westernized one person that, you know, I'm meant to be with. And kind of reevaluating all of that throughout the summer. I also started doing at-home ketamine treatment. So that's been real fun, which has given me some time when it has worked to just think about stuff more deeply. You know, it's coming more to terms of, I don't think I'm meant to be with a single person for the rest of my life because it hasn't really worked out yet. It's hard for me to imagine being with someone forever, one person, one single person. So how do you kind of picture your future I don't know, but I, I at least feel like I know that I'm, I don't have to strive towards this westernized, like find a partner, settle down kind of situation. And honestly, I don't need to. I have friends for the emotional support. I've never really relied on a romantic partner for the emotional support. And maybe that's my own fault, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't think that's something that I need. I mean, I, I have my own life. I have my dog and then I have my friends to go to when I need to. So obviously the sex would be nice, but that doesn't have to be the same person. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> so it, it is like you're very, very independent. Yes. Do you think that, you know, hurts romantic relationships or do you think maybe you just want that in another partner too? And how would that look like? Yeah. I think a little of both because I, it's kind of like, I just don't need someone. I don't need a partner, but it would be nice to want a partner. And I, I would think that someone would feel special knowing that I want them but don't need them because then it's it's kind of more meaningful. I don't know. It's almost like you would choose them, right? Over yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. In this relationship, you needing space, did that come into it? Like, did you feel like, because you talked about one of your relationships where you almost felt smothered. Do you want to find someone who also kind of needs their own space and you meet in the middle? Yes. I think someone that kind of has their own life and then we just match and in, in the things that can overlap and that work. And so I will say the guy that I was seeing was great about understanding how independent I am and that I need my space, never made me feel bad for it, which was really important because other people had, um, especially in this day and age, being an independent woman and you know doing your own thing is not always uh, looked great upon. So I really, really appreciated that in him. But I need someone else that also has their own thing kind of going on. And then they kind of, I fit into what they're doing and maybe they make some time for that. So someone, if you meet them and they don't have like stuff for themselves going on, is that a little bit of a red flag now? I think just getting older and 
I'm, I mean, I appreciate when people are very passionate about what they do, or maybe that's maybe they're not passionate about their job that pays the bills, but they have a passion otherwise. And I'm someone that just keeps busy all the time, you know, full time job and doing consulting. So it's important to me to have just lots of things going on to, to have, you know, pride in myself and what I'm doing. And maybe that's just so I need someone else who also is very passionate about their job. Yeah. Do you think the Western idea of like, you find someone and then basically you're just dancing circles around each other the entire time is unrealistic or exhausting. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of a left turn because we are friends in real life. So uh, I know you were talking at some point how you switched birth control. And I think a lot of women have dealt with this where you're like, your hormones changed. How did that affect your like holy snacks yeah <laughs> so yeah so i went off birth control for the first time in like 15 years and i was very dubious about it and or diligent i guess is the word i'm looking for and um my hormones went crazy like thankfully the guy i was dating was very patient where i realized like a week out of the month i was just really irritable and like did not like him did not like anyone and i had never experienced that before again he was wonderful and super patient about it um but then it kind of ended up after a few months being like, I didn't really want to be with anyone. It wasn't just the hormones. It's the first time that I've experienced how much biology can affect your brain and really see it like in black and white. And so I've definitely had to go back on birth control just for the hormonal like brain stuff. Do you think there's almost like a role for PMS where it forces you to kind of deal with things in a more extreme way, like have like a big think about like, do I want to be with this person and all my feelings are there? Maybe. I just couldn't tell if it was real, right? Like, (laughs) because I would literally be like a week, I'd be like, fuck everything and like everyone. And then like a week later, I'd be like, oh, things are great and things are back to normal. And I, I just personally had never experienced that. And I know many women do with or without birth control. And I, I understand more, you know, the stereotype that um, and terrible stereotype that men are like, oh, were you on your period or like things like that? And I'm like, this is real. Like, and I have no control, even though I know I'm doing it and I'm like very self-aware that I'm being an asshole. <laughs> I literally cannot stop it. It is a wild feeling. And I feel like we all forget almost half the time that it's coming. And then you're like, wait, why am I doing this? And then two days in, you're like, oh, yes, it happens every month. And I forget every month. It's awful. So if you had to name like two or three things, uh, why this relationship ended, what would they be? I would say that it's really just one thing. I just kind of fell out of it. I think on my first podcast, I mentioned how obviously we all have feelings, right? And like you really like someone and I kind of akin it to the idea of faith or like religious faith and it's either there or it's not. And it kind of got to a point where it wasn't there anymore and it was no, no one did anything wrong. It was just not there. Or I mean, another term might be that fell out of love, even though we weren't, I wasn't in love. Um, So I just kind of wasn't into it anymore. It wasn't really helpful for me to continue pretending I was or to drag that on when um, I know that he's a great person and really deserves someone who is not going to do that to him. So I almost wonder if, you know, your infatuation phase may just be a phase where you're like, I I like this person enough to put up with them. And then that goes away. Yes. Like other people have this infatuation that is like all consuming, but yours is just more level headed. <laughs> I think part of it is also I look at things maybe a little too logically rather than letting the emotions sometimes. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but looking more toward the logical things in the relationship of how we how we mesh that way more so than the emotional ways. 
I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, though, because in the end, logistics do matter. So in your first round of podcasts, you mentioned the dynamic between your parents and about how they really didn't, at least in front of you kids, fight. Uh, were you able to fight in this relationship? Uh, was there conflict? Did you Were you able to resolve it? I wouldn't say that we fight be- or fought because, again, I'm not really someone that's going to like – I mean, it depends on how you define fight. Like, yes, there were things that I was upset about and then we talked about it, but there was never like a screaming match or mm. anything like that. And I'll say I was better about communicating that than I have been in the past. I was a little proud of myself, but I definitely have a very far way to go <laughs> of doing that. Um, he's also very communicative, which is great and understanding. And um, it's important that both of us really understand where each of us is coming from. And again, I kind of almost look at it again logically, like what what makes sense rather than how like am I feeling angry because I'm just feeling angry or is there a real reason to feel angry? So even when you were like hormonal, like wildebeest, <laughs> yes. like you still like never got into like a screaming match or anything. No, no. Okay. And that's very adult. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I mean, maybe you, you know, you need to find someone that makes you want to scream at them. Yeah, maybe that's it. And that will be like, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if we should be promoting that. <laughs> So, but how does this breakup make you feel? Uh, like, how's your day different? You know, do you have any form of heartbreak in a way? I know that he's hurting, so I do feel bad for that. But there's also nothing I can do about that other than, you know, try to be supportive and be a friend and also be very honest about how I feel about the situation so that I'm not leading him on in any way. But for me, I just have other things to focus on, um, you know, work, my dog, of course, and just other things that are going on. So it's, Changed, I guess, a little bit, but not not too much. So do you think because, you know, you have so much going on and maybe the people you date don't that you're just more resilient to breakups in a way because your life is very full? Maybe, but I mean, there have been people that I've dated in the past where I was pretty upset about it, but it's just been a while. So I don't know if it's something I've kind of grown into or and I'm learning myself. Maybe the next person I date, I do fall infatuated with and they're the one that break up with me and I'm like a miserable mess. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think I'm going into it a little bit less scared of kind of being abandoned and like a better kind of mature understanding of like you either like each other or you don't. And if someone doesn't like me, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, it's interesting because you're saying, you know, there's, of course, the guilt uh, of hurting someone and you want to balance that with also like setting your own boundaries. How are you balancing that? Because you're trying to make him feel okay, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to be with this person. Just being very direct, but also, you know, offering when he feels comfortable, you know, we can continue to be friends, you know, that sort of thing. Happy to talk through what I can, but trying to keep it at that kind of direct level and not fight about anything or uh, drag anything out. And have you had to fill your days with anything? Because sometimes after a breakup, there's like these open gaps of time. He was great. and Our schedules actually, at least I thought they worked out pretty well, that we both work a lot. And so when we did see each other, it was important time, but we didn't see each other all the time. I mean, we'd see each other maybe once a week or, you know, we'd go two weeks without seeing each other and then see each other for three days. So it wasn't it wasn't like a see someone every day kind of thing. And yeah. thinking about it, too, like, I don't think I want to see someone every day. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you could have the perfect, like for you, the perfect relationship, like what what do you think it would look like? I have no idea. I mean, that's kind of nice, right? I guess. But I think it comes back to, and I think I talked about it in the the pre- previous podcast too, about 
not necessarily knowing all of the boundaries or the red flags of like what I'm willing to put up with, but then later becomes resentment. So like, how do I know what's going to be something that really does irk me? And then how do I, how do I be mature enough to say something in the beginning if it is a modifiable behavior or if it's a behavior that isn't modifiable? How do I put up with that and compromise because I need to just not be a dick? Or I just realize that I, you know, don't want to put up with something like that. So I think it's still kind of finding my, what are my boundaries and what are my under, but also understanding what is a behavior that can be modified or changed without changing a person because no one's going to change and I don't want someone to change. Have you found that in past relationships too? Like, you know, you talked about like you're the person that might be more, you know, more compromising. Yes. How much compromise is one willing to put up with? Exactly. Yeah. And I think having that boundary and showing that independence is important and not just for yourself, but for the relationship as well. And I think I'm just going to have to keep continuing to learn it, but it also be communicative about with future partners, you know, to expect that this is something I'm dealing with. And it's part of how I'm learning and moving forward. Yeah, that that should be a conversation you kind of have right off the bat, be like, look, I'm willing to put up with this, but that's too far. And can you accommodate this need? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I just but then I have to also figure out what are those things like, you know, is it I think I said, like leaving your socks on the floor, which honestly, I don't care if someone leaves socks on the floor. But like, you know, I can't even think of something, but it's something else that's just like annoying. And, you know, is it something that is a modifiable behavior or is it something that we're going to nag each other about over mm. and over or it's going to get to the point where like it's a deal breaker? Like if someone hates your dog, you're not going to be able to be yes, together. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yes. Or if they're like politically different in any format, like that's just not going to work. <laughs> so how do you currently feel about love? Because this was very recent, right? Yeah. I mean... I think I'm still – I think I'm just getting to the point where I I don't know that, you know, romantic love is something I'm striving for, but that could go twofold. It could go because I'm trying to, like, set my baseline really low so I don't get disappointed if it doesn't happen, or <laughs> if it's two, if it's it's just – that's reality, and I, I kind of would be okay with that. So, again, like I said, most of my emotional support that I have had throughout my life has always been through friends and maybe family – and I've not been good at having that kind of emotional connection with a partner. And I don't know why. It's something hmm. wrong with me, maybe. But I don't feel like I need that in a romantic partner. Well, that's that's interesting that you just don't feel like you need it from them. But, you know, you, you might want it. And isn't that almost better? Like, you yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So this is a new question that I'm going to ask everyone during their follow-up episodes. And I think it's a really interesting question. Is it question. a secret question that nobody knows? <laughs> well, I, I sent it to you. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Just taking a step back and looking at all the people around you that you know, you have a lot of friends, a lot of them are in relationships. And you don't have to name names, obviously, because it's anonymous. Is there actually a relationship that you know, and have seen that you would actually want to be in? not just be like, Oh, they're they're a great couple. I love them. But to actually be in it. Um, I don't know. I have seen some relationships actually of my friends that are, um, uh, ethically non-monogamous or poly and where they literally are like best friends, but they see other people and that seems to work for them. I've always been very scared of that situation because I've been worried about the emotional abandonment. I don't care about the sexual or physical contact, but it's the emotional abandonment. But nowadays, maybe I don't care about that. And it's more of what time and connection can I have with people that are different or have different experiences. Maybe that's something I need to explore. Um, and I have no idea how to do it, but 
let's dive right in. It's 2023. <laughs> Here we everything's go. everything. It's a capitalistic hellscape. Let's do what we can. <laughs> Well, it is, you know, if maybe you're just at the point where you feel so emotionally secure within yourself that you're like, they don't want to be with me. I don't want to be with them either. And it's okay if they're with other people because I would feel secure enough either with them staying and also with them not staying. Right. Because exactly. Exactly. But then in the back of my mind, it goes, but is that a defense mechanism? So we'll be talking to my therapist this week about that. (laughs) I mean, it could be. It could not be. Yeah. We'll find out. (laughs) So in the future, what do you think your love life would look like? So you're thinking ethically non-monogamous, maybe poly, kind of give that a try. Do you have any plans of trying that? Like, you know, dating is, 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 it's hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I don't, I think I'm just gonna go about life without looking for anything and just kind of see what happens. And if something happens, it happens. But like I said, it's not something I need. So if it's something that comes along that is is great and adds to that and I'm into it, then sure. But at the moment, I just I just don't need it. I mean, that's not the worst place to be in. I know. I know. It, it's true. But again, is it a coping mechanism? Uh, <laughs> is everything. Exactly. Mechanism. Exactly. Okay, so we are going to write the final question. And of course, it's the same question as always. What is love? I don't even remember what I said last time. It was good. Oh, man, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I think it has to be really a mutual respect and a mutual, you know, deep understanding for having the same wants and needs for how the relationship is built. So whether that's a friendship or a romantic um, relationship, just really being on the same page. And I, I mean, that's obvious, right? But it doesn't happen. So focusing on that and communication and blah, 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 what everyone always says, but just trying to always continue to focus on that and be better and better at that, no matter how easy it is to say it compared to actually doing it. Actions speak louder than words. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you're ready for episode three when this poly thing goes. I know, right? This is exciting. (laughs) This is exciting. If you have any questions about tonight's episode, please email me at the what is love podcast at gmail.com. And if you live in the New York area and would like to be interviewed for the podcast and are not a serial killer because I do record this in my living room, please also reach out. Thank you. <laughs>